Hello and welcome to the Revelation Podcast. And with episode 9, I want to talk about the pre-existent nature of Jesus. To see why the Word of God is a special revelation. And when I put this together, I was originally going to begin reading from John chapter 1 verse 1. And later on, I will get into that verse to launch us into the pre-existent nature of Jesus. But with all the tragic events that's been going on, especially with George Floyd, I mean, right now, there's a lot of people that's in a lot of pain and anguish, rightfully so. And if there's ever a time for people to read the Bible more than ever, then this is a time to do so. You know, you go online, you watch news, and it's just nothing but negativity. And with all that negativity, it's so hard for people to think and be able to reason. It's hard to see the truth. The truth is so cut up and it's so buried that it's harder for people to see, especially when their emotions and their rage are covering their eyes and they can't see. They're like a blind, drunk boxer that's just blackout, but their hands and feet are just moving and hitting air. Now, when I see things such as George Floyd's tragic death with the police officers that were wrong in the way they were treating him, I go into Paul's letter, 2 Timothy. Now, if there's a person that could relate with George Floyd, then I think it could be Paul. You know, Paul died in the hands of the Roman government, just as George Floyd died in the hands of the state government in Minnesota. Now, I know it was local police that did it, police in Minneapolis, but still, it's part of the state of Minnesota. You know, Paul suffered, you know. Paul suffered a lot in preaching the gospel and he knew that he was going to suffer because Christ told him that he will suffer for preaching the gospel and Paul was never upset at Jesus for suffering he was never upset at his fellow workers In fact, the letter to Timothy, the second letter was written to Timothy, who was going through a struggle with the locals of Ephesus. You know, Timothy was dealing with false doctrine. And the idea of Paul being in prison was a lot for Timothy. And so Paul encouraged Timothy He told Timothy that you must continue in things which you have learned. And that from Holy Scriptures, you have known the Holy Scriptures since you were a child. 
you're taught by your mother and your grandma. Now, Timothy was a mixed kid. Not a messed up kid, but he was a mixed kid where he had two different races in him. His father was a Greek and his mom was a Jew. So he was a Gentile and Jew rolled in to one. So I can imagine, you know, Timothy growing up before he met Christ and before he met Paul, he might experience some sort of racial persecution. Now, nowhere in the Bible does it say that because Paul and Timothy never did mention that. And what we do see in Paul's letter to Timothy is that, you know, Timothy is going through a lot. And Paul wrote this letter to encourage him and to remind him of his faith. He reminds him that he should not be afraid because God did not give him a spirit of fear, but a spirit of love. We need to remember that as Christians during this time. We need to remember that God has given us the spirit of love. And when we look at people hurt and confused, regardless of their political ideology, regardless of their race, or regardless of their economic background, we should do all we can to love them as Christ has loved us. Because we have to remember that Christ accepted us for who we are. He did not tell us to change and come back later. He never did that. Christ never rejected people. He welcomed them. He fed them. And a lot of times, he put their needs above his needs, even though he was going through a lot. Now, those are things that are examples of Christ's love. And part of being a born-again Christian is that we have the Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit. That means we have the gifts of the fruit. And one of the gifts of one of the gifts of the fruit is love. Love is the greatest among faith and hope. It doesn't matter the size of your faith or the size of your hope. What matters is the size of your love. And earlier on I said this is a great time to read the Bible, to be filled and encouraged. It says Timothy felt encouraged with Paul's letter. And also, this is a great time to show people the love of Christ. You know, Gandhi said that, you know, I heard so much about this Jesus, but I never saw him by his ambassadors. Now, I'm probably misquoting what Gandhi said, but the whole point was that, you know, he understood having followers because he was a teacher. He had followers. And likely his followers reflected what he taught with word and actions. And him being a philosopher came across the words of Jesus. And he probably liked the things that Jesus says. He likes the good things and the love that Jesus demonstrated. And he might have hoped that he would have seen that in Christ's followers. But he never saw that. And... You know, I think the reason why this country has suffered a lot, especially with injustice and racial tension, is that the church in the United States 
have failed the Great Commission. We have failed horribly. There's no ifs, ands, or excuses about it. We can't blame our political leaders for hindering us. I mean, we had political leaders that we put into office and we still have not loved people as Christ has commanded us to love people. So if you want to see people change, then you better start sharing them the love of Christ. You better start learning to empathize with people. We need to set aside our thoughts, our emotions, and we need to look and say, what did Jesus do? What did Jesus do in situations like this? You know, when Jesus was in Samaria with the woman at the well, Jesus listened to that woman. He took time to listen to her, even though he already knew what he was going to do. And it's him that changes people. We don't change people. We only share the message of Christ. We share it with word and with our deeds. And that's where people are going to begin that see Christ is through our deeds. You know, you got this raging black man, black woman, or where the color skin is. You know, he's upset. He's angry. And it's so easy for us to judge him and say, oh, that's just another criminal. No, no, no. That guy is hurting. So instead of judging him, we need to take the time of listening to him and empathizing with them and just say, hey, listen, I don't understand what you're going through because I'm probably never going to understand. The best I could do is just say, hey, I want to listen. And do you need a hug? But can we just have a hug? You know, and just say, hey, listen, I don't understand what you're going through. I don't know why you're going through with what you're going through. The best I can do is at least listen. I just want to listen to you. That's all. Now, at that point, that person may just leave you alone, walk away. Well, he's carried his rage somewhere else. At least he'll be safe and he'll be a little more peaceful. Or he may, you know, warm... Wow, his heart may be warm to your acts. Your acts of Christ. Your fruit of the Spirit. The love. The love is what changes people. You know. And so, you know... Paul's letter, he's encouraging Timothy to endure the hardship. Because at the end of this, there's a crown of righteousness that is waiting for him in heaven. And that crown of righteousness is with Jesus. And Jesus someday will return And he will establish his kingdom on earth. I love reading the book of Revelation. 
especially the last two chapters in Revelation. Because these exciting things have not happened yet. And yet at the same time, we know they're going to happen. Because what Christ says has happened. It happened. And it's going to happen. You know. You go into Revelation chapter... 21 verses 2 and 4 I love these verses you know these verses get me excited about what's to come so let me actually read beginning at verses 3 and 4 of Revelation chapter 21 I'm reading from the King James Version actually New King James Version And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, or crying. There should be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. You see, right now in this fallen world, there is suffering worldwide. A lot of suffering worldwide are Christians who are being persecuted for what they believe in. They are being persecuted for carrying out the Great Commission in places like Saudi Arabia, Sudan, China, and North Korea. They rather die than not obey Jesus. You know, a lot of people have said that George Floyd is a Christian, that they said that he was a changed man. That he loved God. Now if he was truly a born again believer. And when I say that. It's not so much that I'm questioning whether he's saved or not. Because my opinion of that does not really matter. It's really up to God. And maybe someday I can hear his testimony from others. I may hear about the good fruit that he has bare. And you know when... A believer bears good fruit. That is a good sign that they are a changed person. That God has changed them. And another part in my in the book of Revelation, you know, in Revelation chapter four, this is where John gets to go into the throne room of heaven, and I'm just amazed. With all that he sees. And I'm not going to read everything that he saw. But I want us to see this right here. You know. In Revelation chapter. It's either 5 or 4. Usually Revelation chapter 4 and 5. Are the heavens 
throne room. And I did not prepare this. I did not organize it to where I could maybe just pick it up and we could just go along. This is kind of like ad-lib. The Holy Spirit have put this into my mouth and it's right underneath my nose and I am going to find it. The great thing about being in control of your own podcast is that you have all the time that you're going to need. I don't have the producers that's tapping on my shoulder and say hurry up or move along. And, you know, I may end up start reading Revelations chapter 4 and then why I end up finding it. I, I know this is in here, you know. It's in here, definitely. Definitely in here. Revelations chapter 4. You know, I talked about, you know, the new Jerusalem that's coming down. And that, you know, there's no more suffering. No more dying. And no more crying. And I feel like it's about there. Let's see. Ah, here we go. Yes. Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. These are the people who have, these are all the people that are in heaven with Jesus right now at this moment. In Revelation chapter 5, verse 9 says, And they sang a new song saying, You, and referring to you as Jesus, Jesus, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain. In other words, Jesus knows suffering. His suffering was something that we will never understand. Jesus being innocent suffered. He died at the cross for our sins. And if you really want to peel up all the bad things that's going, if you want to peel everything back to see the cause of it, what we will find is sin. We all have a sin nature. We are all guilty. We are no different than the police officers that brutally attacked George Floyd. Because like them, we are guilty now some of you guys says that I have never murdered anyone like that but check out what Jesus told the multitudes he told them if you have hatred in your heart for your brother that makes you a murderer and all of us was born with hatred in our hearts Believe it or not, that was something that our parents or whatever God raised us taught us. Now, they could have influenced that hatred, but they didn't teach us just like no one taught them. They were born with it. And if you look at Galatians chapter 5, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit, which is love as part of it. And also talks about the works of the flesh. And if you combine certain things about the works of the flesh, you'll see that the works of flesh has a hateful attitude already within it, which we all have. 
we at some point had hatred in our hearts for our brother. Now, it may not be because of the color of their skin. It may not have been because of their political views or where they stand in society. We've had that hatred already. We've already had that hatred. And there's no law, no man law, that can change that. The only way the hatred in our hearts can change is by the blood of Christ that was shed on Calvary for us. Jesus died for our sins. It should have been us that should have died for our sins because we were guilty. And yet God is love. Love came from God. And the way that God expresses that deed towards us that had been fallen was that he sent his son Jesus to die. So God redeemed us by his blood. And his blood was not just restricted for certain people or a certain group. Because look at what it says in Revelation chapter 5 verse 9. It says, out of every tribe. And tongue and people and nations and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth John saw all the nations in there at least one person represented a nation so God is not a favor of people. God loves people. God died for all. He died for all of us. And believe it or not, those three police officers that committed such a heinous crime can still be forgiven by Jesus. They can still be forgiven by Jesus that's how powerful the blood is now he's not going to force himself upon you if you read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation and you got to the point where it says you know what I don't like this Jesus at all I want nothing to do with him as Judas and the rich young ruler did well you know what Jesus is just going to let you Go. He is not going to force you. That goes against his nature. He's not going to change. He is who he was from the beginning. He is who he is, what we see in the gospel. And he is that in the future. And we see that. We see that in the future. We see in heaven. We see all kinds of people are worshiping Jesus. There is no divide there. There is no death. And there is no sadness. Now, I hope with what I shared with you just encourages you. Especially if you feel the struggles of these times. I hope it just encourages you to just, man, man. Jesus 
I never heard much of him, but what you say, he sounds sounds so good. Well, all the things I said about Christ are in his word. Do not take my word for it. Read the word yourself. God's word that is about Jesus is not just an ordinary book that you just place into a shelf with other books. No, no, no. This is a special revelation. I mean, if you look at from Genesis to Revelation, it covers at least 4,000 years. And the writers that the Holy Spirit uses is spread throughout time and in certain periods. You know, you got Genesis to Deuteronomy, the first five books of the law. You know, God started writing it and he gave it to Moses. And after the books of law, the holy prophets contributed to the Old Testament. And then we have the New Testament. We have the four Gospels. Three, Two of the four were written by Jesus' apostles. And they, before they became Jesus' apostles, they were fishermen. And then Mark was written by, you know, Mark who had to rely on eyewitnesses to write his gospel. And then you have Luke, the only Gentile in the New Testament, not only wrote the gospel of Luke, but he also wrote the book of Acts. And then after that, you have Paul, his letters. You know, Paul, before he met Christ, he was a persecutor of Christians. And Jesus changed his life. Paul is an example that possibly... Either one of those three police officers, you know, can change. They could be like Paul. I'm not saying that it's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen with them. The only thing I do know about that is that justice needs to be served. Whatever punishment that the judge will give them should be the punishment. And I pray and hope that the judge will give them the right punishment and nothing less and so going back on how amazing the word of god is you know i talk about paul you know he contributed most to the new testament and then you got peter's letters you got james the half brother of jesus and then you got hebrews no one doesn't know who written the book of hebrews but even though we don't know who has written the book of hebrews it fits in everything. I mean, the 4,000-year period with all the books that are put together in different times, they put them together. The Holy Spirit has orchestrated through holy men, and it revolves around one person, and that is Jesus. That's why this book of the Bible is a special revelation, and man has tried to get rid of this book for years. They had tried to extinguish this book, so they thought that, hey, if no one reads the Bible, no one reads about the Word, they'll never know about this Jesus. And you know, they're probably right about that. But see, they cannot go against the power of God. You know, the power of God, He is in control of all things. He is even controlled with His Word to where He knows on how to move his word as time goes along i mean i could go on and on and why this is a special revelation 
Now, I want us to jump right in to the pre-existent nature of Jesus so you can see why the Bible is a special revelation. In John chapter 1, verse 1, in the King James Version, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. With me personally, I think the best place to begin looking at the pre-existent nature of Jesus is the Gospel of John. Now, if you compare the beginnings of the four Gospels, you will see they start off differently. Because even though they are all about Jesus, they are presenting the Word to a different audience. And when you put the Gospels together, they're going to fit. They're not going to contradict one another, even though that their Gospels were written to a different audience. Now, the first Gospel, Matthew, starts with Jesus' genealogy because he is presenting Jesus to a Jewish audience. The next Gospel after Matthew is Mark. He starts his Gospel with the preaching of John the Baptist. Because his audience was those that were outside of Israel. The next gospel after Mark is Luke. He is the only Gentile writer in the New Testament. He also wrote the book of Acts. When he wrote both books, he wrote them to his Gentile friend Theophilus. In Luke's gospel, he begins with the genealogy just like Matthew did in his gospel. But... Instead of um, starting at Abraham, Luke goes all the way back to Adam. In the last Gospel of John, it was the last one written because it was written around 90 AD. The purpose of John's Gospel was for his audience that read it was to believe in Jesus. A lot of Jews that lived around 90 AD spoke mostly Greek and they understood mostly Greek concepts. Now we need to look at the pre-existent nature of Jesus to see that he is the word so we can see why the Bible is a special revelation from God. The latest Gospel John was written around 90 AD. And in his Gospel, he used the word believe 98 times. And we see that in John chapter 20, verses 30 through 31. Now, some, if not most biblical scholars, agree that these verses are the key to Gospel of John. And this is what John written and look how many times he used the word believe and many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book but these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ 
the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. So in verse 31, John uses the word believe twice. And compared to the other Gospels, all the other Gospels combined from Matthew to Luke use the word believe just 29 times altogether. Where in the Gospel of John, it was used 98 times. Now we know that John wrote the Gospel. He wrote this Gospel so that his readers would believe that Jesus was who he said he was. And that is the Messiah, the Son of God. That makes him God. Which means that he existed in the beginning. John's Gospel start off very similar as the first book of the Bible of Genesis. In Genesis chapter 1 verse 1, the first three words are in the beginning. Those are also the same three words that John used in verse 1 of his first chapter. I mean, they both say in the beginning. But in his gospel, after those three words, it reveals the preexistence of Jesus with the phrase of the word. In the beginning was the word. Like the New Testament gospel, like the New Testament, the Gospel of John was written in Greek. And the Greek word for the word is logos. It is a Greek word that comes from the Greek now, lego. And it means to speak intelligently. It also a word that is spoken or a reason that's manifested in the power of speech. Logo is something that is said. It's a topic or word. So John associated Jesus with Logos is telling his readers that Jesus is the word that caused everything into existence. All the things that we see and do not see exist by his word, which Paul also testified in his letter to the Colossians. Colossians chapter 1 verses 16 and 17 in King James Version. For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. We see that in Paul's letter that he testifies that Jesus created all things. And he was in the beginning before all things. In other places in the New Testament, we see Jesus being referred to as the Word. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands handle, of the word of life. First John, also written by the apostle of John, has testified that they have heard him, they have seen him, and they have felt him as the word of life. In Revelation chapter 1 verse 2, also written by apostle John, says this about the word who bear record of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw.
You see, Jesus was not just an imagination of John. John could ever imagine Jesus because it would have been impossible for him. That means not only did John just write about Jesus being the Word, he was a witness. And others have witnessed that Jesus is the Word. Now, when Jesus was at the Feast of Tabernacles in Jerusalem, the Pharisees said that he could not bear witness of himself because he needs more than one witness to verify what he says is true. And we should know that the Pharisees are right about the testimony of others. And we understand this because the tragic event reveals that there were people that saw what happened. And so it's more than just one person that can verify what happened. There are many people that see what has happened. And they could be used to verify truth in the courtroom. In the Bible, we can see the words of Jesus say that he is God. And we could read others that testify to what he says of who he is to be true. Going back to John chapter 1 verse 1, we see John testified to what Jesus says of being God by telling his readers that he is the word. John testifies to Jesus as the son of God by saying the word was with God. He uses the word of Jesus to testify to what he said. In John chapter 17 verse 5, this is a prayer that Jesus prayed in the garden. Look at what he said. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. He says he was with God. Him being God means that he cannot lie, because that would be going against his nature. The truth from God, because it is his the truth came from God because it is in his nature and that is reflected in his word, the Bible, which is why we can trust in what is written to be true. After John says that the word was with God in verse 1, he says that the word was God, which Paul also testifies to. In Philippians chapter 2 verse 6, he says, who referring to Jesus, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. In this verse, Paul says that Jesus is God. So Jesus is not the only one that bears witness in what he says on who he is. He has John and Paul say the same thing. Also, his father bears witness to what he said to who he is. We have two events in the Bible to verify that. One was at the baptism of Jesus, and the other was at the transfiguration. In that event, it had Peter, James, and John with Jesus to bear witness of hearing God call him his son. About the pre-existent nature of Jesus, there are more than one person that can testify to that. One being Jesus, and the other are his apostles, the prophets, and God the Father. When we put the word together, 
we can say that Jesus is God that existed from the beginning. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are one. That means they exist together and are distinct at the same time. But they are not limited to their specific function because they could do each other's function with no problem. What all this means is that they cannot lie. And the Bible is a reflection of that. This reason right here is why we could trust the Word of God because it does not have misinformation, even with all the different translations. The Word is still complete because the Word of God is eternal. When we examine the pre-existent nature of Jesus, we can see that His words are eternal. This here is why the Word of God is a special revelation that revolves around Jesus. Now, in the next episode, I will be doing. I will doing it about. I will do it about what the prophets say about Jesus. What does what did the prophets say about Jesus, and how did the prophecies fulfill to verify that Jesus is who he was? And these things are in the Bible along with what Jesus and others says about who he is. Those things right there are why that we could trust in the word of God because it's true and that it is a special revelation that revolves around Jesus. And I do thank you for taking time of listeners. May God bless you and stay in his word. It is power. It's encouragement. It gives us peace. And we can move one day at a time.